Welcome to Once Upon a Film Industry. I'm your co-host, Stephen Lloyd Bennett. And I'm Al Lopez. And today we are here with the talented filmmaker, Soma Helmi. How are you doing, Soma? Hello, I'm doing well, and thank you for having me. Thank you for doing this. I appreciate it. Um, I, I'm looking at your website, and you're just super talented, and I really appreciate your work. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> um, you've worked on commercials short films you have a series on snap originals which is snapchat has an original uh, series (laughs) section which a lot of people don't know i didn't know until i looked this up and you have a a a series on there called dead girls detective agency uh you're releasing recently signed to kaplan perone right yes yeah uh with i'm with josh goldenberg there nice nice so a lot of things we're going to get into but we're going to start off right now uh where are you from and how did you get interested in the film industry uh so i'm from bali originally uh i was born and raised in bali my dad is indonesian and my mom is polish but i grew up i was (laughs) funnily enough i was born in a rice field in bali near ubud and uh my dad is a photographer so i got in kind of interested in visual arts very early on and my mom was a jeweler so you know, arty parents, but like my dad put a camera in my hand when I was about five, I kind of always like to say, and, and it was a massive, he's got a big zoom lens and I could hardly hold it, but that was kind of when it all really started. And I was always very interested in the kind of photography and visual world. Um, but in terms of when did I get really into it, film, um, way back when I was going to university, I, I wanted to actually be in um, VFX or animation um I I love sci-fi and I love genre films and that was kind of what I thought I really wanted to do but cut to kind of you know reality where I was a graphic designer for a really long time and um and then I actually got into advertising and I was an art director at J Walter Thompson in Jakarta for a while and you know in advertising especially you know if you're lucky enough to be in one of the big agencies you're shooting all the time and I was really lucky that I, I had a lot of the bigger, you know, clients. We had Unilever clients and we had, you know, a lot of pharma clients. So we were always shooting. And I just, I just remembered that I loved film and I kind of would see all these people working on set and the directors who were coming to pitch and coming to kind of, you know, shoot our spots. And I just would be sitting there in the agency side just thinking no I want to be on that side I want to be what they're doing I want to be making these films so you know a little bit after that I just started making my own and um, I I got involved in a lot of like different aspects of it but that's really where where the real journey started that was like I guess 11 years ago or 10 years ago And, and and then from there where did you go to school to study film or did you just throw yourself into the whole filmmaking uh, um, so I, I didn't, I didn't go to school for film specifically. My, my degree, um, a long time ago, uh, I did a multimedia degree. So we did a little bit of animation, a bit of video, but you know, that was a very, very long time ago. But in terms of how I, I was self-educated, you know, like I said, I spent a lot of time on set assisting. Mm-hmm. I was assistant wardrobe assistant and then in the art department. And I just kind of assisted in a lot of different departments. And then I just, you know, I think with the onset of like digital, the digital kind of revolution, it was so much easier. And uh, 10 years ago, I just kind of picked up a little handy cam that my dad gave me, you know, like snap and shoot kind of thing. And I just, um, 
I just made a short with a friend and that was kind of the start of it. It was like, I don't know really what I'm doing, but I'm going to start shooting stuff and that's just learning on the go. Right, right. Nice, nice. And who would you say were some of your inspirations growing up? It's it's interesting. I really love a lot of the like 80s kind of Amblin films, you know, like Spielberg and the adventure films, sci-fi films. So I don't have specifically names of filmmakers or directors that I love, but I love those films. I loved E.T. and I love Flight of the Concords. And those are kind of, when I think of the magic of film, those are the, the things that I think about and I would love to have made. And I really would love to make more of those. Like nowadays, I think we need more of these kind of really fun, adventurous films that take you away from your like day-to-day life, you know? So I, like I said, it's not specific people, but it's it's specific genres and it's specific films. What do you think about Stranger Things? Loved it. Yeah, course. I figured you would. <laughs> yeah, I was so happy when that right. came out. Yeah, that's like exactly what I'm talking about. And I also, I, I like a lot, maybe not so well known, a bit more obscure, but um, I'm not o- okay with this. I'm not okay with this. It was a sci-fi yeah. coming of age. Oh, yes. And that was... That was the the little the girl, right? And she had these powers. She sort of yeah. That was really good. It was, it was really so good. good. I love yeah. that. Those like that and Stranger Things. I just love those. So growing up, or even now, do you have uh, mentors? I, kind of. I mean, I I don't know if I would say maybe champions or people that taught me things. Not formal mentors as such, but um, definitely like working with my dad. I was his um, assistant and his art director for a long time so I learned a lot about lighting and about working on sets through him and you know framing and all kinds of wonderful things to do with the visual side of things um I I have a funny story when I first arrived in LA um I got to meet Catherine Hardwick and I went to lunch with her and it was really fun and we, we kind of really connected and then at the end of the meeting she kind of looked at me and said do you know how to use Photoshop and I was like, yes. I was, you know, graphic designer, art director for a long time. And she was like, great. I think I'll call you if I need any help. And I was like, fantastic. So for the next few years after that, you know, like um, I was her creative assistant, but also in a way she was, you know, my mentor in a way because I was watching how she was working and how she would prepare and how she would create these incredible pitch decks and lookbooks and being around her when she was on set. And it was like the most incredible education. And I didn't have to do any of the kind of assistant work. That wasn't my purview at all. I got to do all the fun, creative, create, you know, these these lookbooks and do photo shoots and do all this kind of fun stuff with her. So I like to say that I, I think I learned a lot from Catherine and I was so lucky that, I, I mean, people like to say, don't say the word lucky. But, you know, I guess I was blessed in a way to, <laughs> right. to meet her and to kind of get that that view into her world. And especially in L.A., you know, she she was working on such incredible projects and just like right in there on those TV shows and projects and features and stuff. So um, but I definitely learned a lot from Catherine. Nice. Nice. I feel like that's better than any film school you could possibly go to is being on set oh, sure. and watching someone yeah yeah that's oh, and way she better. let me shoot in her house for my short film <laughs> in oh. my first short film that I made in America I arrived two months later of course I'm you know I insisted I had to shoot something 
And uh, I was looking for a location and I couldn't find one. And she kind of walked past me one day when I was like looking for all this stuff and looking a bit stressed. And she said, what are you doing? I said, I'm looking for a location for my short. And she said, well, what are you looking for? And I described it. And she said, shoot in my house. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, no pressure, you know. <laughs> right. Shoot your little short film in Catherine Hardwick's house. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I said, yes, please. But it was, you know. Can you imagine I'm there shooting my my short with my little crew and she kind of comes in and looks in the corner every so often. I'm like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's awesome, though. That's really cool. Kaplan Perone, we mentioned it. Mm-hmm. Um, congrats, congrats, congrats thank you, on that. Thank you, thank you. Um, what does this mean to you? Like, how do you think this can propel your career? It, it's a lot. You know, I, I'm or, I'm repped with uh, Kaplan Stoller. My agent is Cindy Mintz at Kaplan Stoller. I've been with her for a little over a year. So I have representation, but I knew I really wanted to work with Josh because I had her, I have a friend who is a, who's managed by him also. And I think just having more representation, having people who are, have a really good reputation in the industry and having, you know, really kind of, dedicated reps means that you get your foot in the door it means you get those meetings it means people start hearing your name it means you know more opportunities but to be realistic it doesn't suddenly mean that you get your first job or it doesn't suddenly mean that you you know automatically magically you get your episode so uh, on the one hand I'm so excited because I know they're wonderful and I know he's an incredible manager but I also you know have the reality check of that still means I have to work hard. It still means I still need to network and connect and make sure that I get my work out and that I do my job as a director really well, you know, so still doing a lot of the same things, but now with these two amazing reps, it means I get more opportunities to have the generals and to have the meetings and to have, you know, cause it's all behind closed doors. It's like, you don't, you don't hear about all the jobs. You don't see the opportunities if you're out there on your own. So that might be a long answer, but that's kind of the reality of the industry, I think. You know, you you work really hard to get represented and then you still have to work really hard once you you do have reps, you know, but they definitely make life a lot easier for you once you get there. How do you how do you balance your 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 life and work? What advice can you give someone who who is uh, up and coming or um, a filmmaker? Here's the thing. I think as filmmakers, we're maybe a different breed where sometimes we don't know (laughs) those boundaries where it's just you love it so much that you kind of can't think of doing anything other than, you know, being a filmmaker or, you know, um, I think it's it's interesting. I, I have a wonderful husband who makes sure kind of we're like take a break and we you know we kind of do things outside of it um I think part of it is recognizing really early on that you need to protect your mental health because it is a really difficult industry and it can put you through the ringer and it can you know you can go on this crazy roller coaster so making sure that you protect some personal time and making sure that you can do things outside of the industry and I think maybe part of that is having friends outside of the industry that you can do activities with outside of the industry and outside of talking about film and talking outside you know so it's not just 24 7 um like my husband's not in the industry so you know we talk about all kinds of things like he likes to build tiny trailers and I help him sometimes you know so that just 
takes you out of it um, so that you're not so, I think we're a little bit obsessive sometimes, filmmakers. If I'm not writing or if I'm not directing or if I'm not, I feel like something's missing. I feel like mm-hmm. maybe a lot of people can connect with that, right? You're like, yeah. no, 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 it's you got to be creating. you got to be. But sometimes you really do need to like just step away from that and have time to yourself. And it's hard. It's make sure you have interests outside <laughs> of film and that you really protect your mental health because it's hard. I think that is something actually. Um, I, I had for a little while a clubhouse of room and clubhouse for mental health for filmmakers. And we had a lot of really interesting conversations with filmmakers, but also with health advocates, you know, where it's something that's not really talked about very often, especially for younger filmmakers. They don't, they kind of go in blind sometimes, not realizing how hard this industry can be and how hard it can be on your mental health because you're faced with rejection almost every day, yes. especially when you're coming up, even when you're established. I think, uh, you know, I've been in the rooms now with a lot of established filmmakers. They go through the same thing, the rejection, the uncertainty, the for the job ends and where's the next job coming from. And I feel like I wish that there was something like that in either film school or in the beginnings of people's careers to just set them up nicely to just say yes this is really hard and these are the tools that you will need to get through those tough days because it's going to happen don't you know it even if you're a wonder kid and you get incredible you know first film whatever it is there are going to be downs there are going to be lows and I wish that younger filmmakers or it doesn't have to be age but newer filmmakers are given more tools to deal with those because I think it's maybe not spoken about as much as it should be. Facts, facts. I mean, I remember when I first came to LA, I came here because I had a connection to an executive that I thought was going to be, you know, change my life and everything. And I had this meeting with him. It was a general meeting and I bombed the meeting. I, don't, I said stupid things. I don't know what was going on, what came out of my mouth. And <laughs> don't, know, don't know what I was talking about. I, I on, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and it was on the um, uh, Universal lot. Universal? Um, yes. And, you know, horrible meeting. Not horrible, but not really good. Came out of it and I just... I had a web series I was pushing at the time. I came out here with just a web series and I had no hope about this web series anymore. The web series came out. Nobody was watching it. The views, I had like 300 views. I was just like, oh my God, I went to a dark depression, like a legit dark depression. And when you talk about um, that work-life balance, my wife is a nurse. She's not in the industry in any kind of way. And it was hard for her too, because she I'm usually like the happy go lucky. I'm the emotional support of the of the of the relationship. I'm the rock of the relationship emotionally. And for months I was just dark. <laughs> I was yes. just like, and it took me a while to get out of it. And what got me out of it was constantly making stuff. I wrote more script. I wrote like three features that year because mm. I was so much like, I have to get out of this. And what got me out of it was was doing the work. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's something like what you say, if there was a system or if there was something that could help people get through that, because it's hard out here, like the roller coaster, the ups and the downs, it's, yeah. it's insane. It's insane. Yeah. Even when it's up, 
sometimes yeah. it's hard because you don't let yourself celebrate because you know there's going to be another down or you kind of you get like that momentary high when you get a win and then it doesn't last and then you're yeah. kind of crashing again and it's so unstable i think it's it's really it's very difficult ups and downs are really hard yeah. I, I remember uh when I first started out and I would get in a film festival, I would cheer. I'd go out to dinner because I've gotten to one film festival. I go crazy. My wife was like, okay, cool. This is how he is. All right, cool. <laughs> and now when I get in a film festival, I get the email. I'm like, oh, dope. Nice. Right. And, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and she's like, where did that joy go? And I'm like, it's still right. there. The joy is in, I put the joy now in the work and doing the work because right. the joy is not in, in getting an award or getting in a festival. It's cool. Right. But it's and I appreciate them, but I don't have that same uh, effervescence for the awards anymore. So it's for the work. I love mm. doing the work. Cool. Tell us about just just real quick, Stephen, if you don't Go mind, ahead. if I interrupt, because this mental health issue for uh, people in the film industry is, is very important. I just wanted to ask Soma a quick question. How important is it to have a support system in place when you go through these up, up and downs? Oh my goodness. Uh, for me, very, very important. I think there are definitely days where, you know, I, I rely very heavily on my husband um, because he's, you know, he's my best friend. And especially this year, since we were all locked in the house together, you know, like, I don't know what I would have done because it's, it's been such a hard time, but he's an incredible support system. But I think that doesn't necessarily have to come in the form of a partner. It can be a friend. It can be someone outside of that. And the other thing that I was talking about in the rooms very openly was it might be a therapist. It might be a professional. I think that maybe there's maybe um, a little bit too much taboo in certain communities about having a therapist, but that might be who your support system is. It, it You just need to have one. Whoever it is, it may not be you know, partner, maybe a friend, maybe like I'm saying therapist, but you do definitely need, you need that, especially when there are so many rejections. And unfortunately, it's just part of it, isn't it? It's it's part of, and we're all creative people. So of course, we're all more sensitive, which makes it even worse. Because it's like, <laughs> you know, I don't, very early on, every rejection was like a knife to the heart. But like you say, now they're kind of, it evens out more and more, but having someone there that you can even just talk it out with or just, you know, take you away from that moment, whatever it is, get a nice meal. It's so, so important. Coming from another country to mm. with a whole different mindset, different attitude, different maybe work ethic, you come here to Los Angeles. Um, what was the most shocking uh, or challenge that you faced? Uh, coming to Los Angeles? Um, I'm going to be real for a second. Um, so when I was, you know, I was in Indonesia as a filmmaker, there was a, something that I hadn't really come across before coming to America, and that was this whole female filmmaker thing. Um, I was just a filmmaker, and I knew about it. Obviously, I had read about it, and I kind of knew about it, but the first time I shot here, it was really a slap in the face where I, it was, I was confronted by it, you know, a crew. I, I walked into set and they were like, oh, hair and makeup's setting up back there. And it was just like, just little things that all kind of piled on. And then like the DP refused to talk to me 
who would only talk to the producer. It was just like a lot of things on my very first shoot here. And I was like, and this wasn't the short film. This was something else, you know, like, but that was a reality check that I wasn't ready for. Um, unfortunately. Are you the director? I was the director. Wow. Um, and that has happened a lot. I mean, you know, maybe I've, I've been fortunate where it hasn't happened as much as some of my kind of, you know, other female filmmakers, but I was completely taken aback by it because I hadn't experienced it before coming to shoot in America. I, I think for the very first time called myself a female filmmaker when I got here. I, I hope for one day in the future to just be called a director because why does it matter? I'm, you know, good at my job and it doesn't matter. Um, I was also really surprised at how huge TV was. Mm-hmm. I came to America wanting to do features and, you know, being outside, I think maybe like in Indonesia or being in Asia, the, I think the TV buzz wasn't happening so much yet, maybe even like five, six years ago. But I got here and it was like, oh, it's TV, everything, the budgets, the writing, the everything is happening in TV. And so that was like an interesting shift for me also. I think that's also a new thing, too. I mean, because TV has always been pretty big, but over the past like you said, 10 years, 12 right. years, I would say when like Oz was on and, and The Wire, when mm-hmm. that stuff, Sopranos, when that stuff started to pop off, I feel like a lot of TV shows were like, oh, right, we can do we can do it big. We could do it big. Game of Thrones came out and then all of a sudden, like now it's normal that we have these big epic shows yeah. that, that are basically long movies now. They're right. Really cool. Yeah. Incredible productions and amazing writing and everything. But yeah, that was kind of a pivot when I got here, for sure. Uh, I'm always I'm always impressed on the answers when people come to to America and 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 work here and see the difference between you know uh, what what happens in their country and what happens in this country. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. There there are definitely differences, but there are also so many similarities. I don't know if you've worked or if you've shot in different countries, but it's so funny because it's it's almost like the same types of people on crew. Like you yeah. can step on a crew anywhere, in Indonesia, in Morocco, and you're like, grip, DP, <laughs> hair makeup. You know, you just like, you can pick <laughs> yeah, them out. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, and it's funny. It's like almost just the personalities that gravitate to the different jobs are exactly the same almost in every single country. And you can kind of just step in and identify like, great okay i know what's happening here <laughs> that's so hilarious because that's something i've thought but i've never actually said out loud and you're the first person actually <laughs> i hear say that out loud when i walk on set i'd know because of how they carry themselves mm-hmm. what job you have or what department you're in <laughs> and it happens across the world I've, I've you know i've seen shoots from japan indonesia morocco everywhere and it's yeah you can definitely pick them out and you very rarely get it wrong but it's also like the way they dress, the way they carry themselves. It's like it's all almost like this universal language that they, everyone kind of is clued in on. I don't know why it is, but it's interesting. We're all connected. We're all connected. <laughs> right. Uh, so I want to talk a lot of when it comes to like um, uh, diversity and inclusion, that's like a big thing now. And mm. tell, us, tell us about the Breakthrough Initiative that you're involved in. Yeah. The Black Magic Collective's Breakthrough Initiative. Yeah. So Black Magic Collective, I was in, um, I'm an alumni. I was in the Future Women of TV um, group last year. And at the end of that, 
that was five directors and five writers who were all women um, and we were kind of on the cusp of getting our first episodes. So at the end of that year, they asked some of us whether we wanted to create or head up our own initiative because they wanted to kind of really expand and try to help as many people as possible. And so I put my hand up and I said, yes, I would love to do, you know, a one for BIPOC uh, filmmakers, please. And they were really wonderful. And they said, yes, absolutely. How can we help you? Let's get this going. So um, Breakthrough Initiative is basically we champion BIPOC TV writers and directors who have all the credits and all the body of work that you are told you needed for your first episode. So these are amazing you know filmmakers who have been in the industry for a certain number of years they're definitely not newbies they are experienced and they have a lot of them have done a bunch of of the programs already and all the initiatives and they still just are not getting that first episode despite ticking all the boxes that we're asked to tick so mm. we're just you know i'm just trying to try and open some doors and try to get them to meet you know, showrunners and execs and anybody, decision makers, basically, who can get them that first episode. And it's a really practical program or initiative where it's, we're not about education because they don't need education. They need a job. Right. You know, they've, they've done all the education they need. They have, you know, some of them have just dozens of shorts under their belt or features or commercials. And so, you know, they just need that first break. And we just kind of, trying to figure out how do we do that we introduce them to showrunners we get them one-on-one meetings we get them kind of around town as a rep would do because a lot of them are not repped because it's like this chicken and egg thing you know Mm. I think in Hollywood where you need to have the credits to get a rep but then the rep should be helping you get you know so it's like all these kind of things so we're, we're just trying to help them through the system that is maybe not so friendly to, to uh, our kind of uh, filmmakers, unfortunately. And, and who qualifies for something uh, to be a part of that program? Um, so right now we have 11. We have actually a duo writer team, sister writer team. So it was supposed to be 10. So it was supposed to be five, five again. But um, so these are filmmakers who are experienced. They have a certain level of experience. They have a really extensive body of work. You need to prove that you have either a feature or you've basically done shorts that have gone to like first tier festivals. Um, and if you're a writer, you, you need to have at least two pilots uh, that are ready to go and that you've perhaps, you know, placed in certain competitions. So they're all, like I said, at a much higher level than anyone kind of, it's, it's, they're not entry level by any means. They're very experienced and they're very, you know, and they're very talented. It's it's really funny. Like some of them, I think you you would probably know of their work already, and yet they're still having trouble getting that first episode. In Future Women last year, we had a director who had directed seven features Whoa. and plenty of web series and so many short films, and she was being told that she was a new filmmaker and was having trouble getting her first episode of TV. So ridiculous. That's so yeah. ridiculous. So you're asking for experienced female directors, and yet you're given experienced female directors. What's the holdup? You know? right. And that's the same thing with this breakthrough initiative. These are experienced, talented, obviously, you know, so let's get them their first job. But yeah, so that's that's kind of the, we have 
Blackmagic uh, Collective has a few initiatives now this year, especially so this breakthrough initiative. Um, there's also All Access, which is for disabled filmmakers that has just got their first um, fellowship together, I think last week, they just announced. Nice. So, nice. And there's one for um, feature directors, which is all women also. Uh, so they're really trying to, you know, push the needle and get more representation in the industry and just having people kind of walk the walk, you know, you're like, great, you're looking for diversity. Here it is, you right. know, your call, whole... right? Yeah, that's really cool. I appreciate that. That's really cool. I might actually even sign up. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have our fellows this year, but we're going to have our another, obviously, intake at the end of this year. Um, probably by December, we'll have our applications open. So, Soma, you, it seems like you've, uh, you've, you've directed a bunch of commercials from Google to Nike. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you get involved in the commercial world? Um, so I was an art director at Joe Walter Thompson. Um, so I was in the commercial world already, but not as a director. Um, so it just kind of was a bit of an easy leap because I understood the industry and I understood, you know, working with clients and I understood all of that. So I got my start doing um, smaller commercials. Uh, actually, one of the things I did early on in my career was I, I entered, I don't know if you remember, but a few years ago they were like, a lot of these um, uh, like uh, mo film and uh, like competitions for for branded content or for commercials, mm-hmm. but they were with real clients. So Coca-Cola would go to mo film and say, we want to get a commercial made, by, you know, but crowdsource it. So oh, I, right. yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I won a few of those. Um, oh, nice. I don't know. In the space of a couple of years or a year, I won four or five of them. So that started my portfolio. But they were, you know, real clients like Chevrolet and Campbell Soup. And so they started seeing my work. And then from that, I got like outside actual clients and, and commissioned commercials. Nice. Do you like the commercial? Do you like doing commercials? Is that something you would do long term or is just? Sure. Um, yeah. I love filmmaking. I love directing. And it doesn't really that's that's not true. It does matter a little bit of you know what industry I'm in, but I'm I'm happiest when I'm in production. So commercials, I tend to kind of I like to gravitate towards the ones that are a little bit narrative or have something interesting to say or you know a message. So those are the ones that I gravitate towards. So I always treat it like a narrative project almost, even if it is a commercial. I mean, yes, of course, you know, with a commercial you have oversight and you have clients and all kinds of things. But in TV you have EPs and you have, you know, showrunners. So it's a similar thing. But like I said, I just am happiest when I'm in production. So, yes, it makes me happy to make commercials too. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Um, I want to talk about Dead Girls Detective Agency, Mm -hmm. which sounds really cool. Uh, it's a series for Snapchat, but it's called Snap Originals. Mm-hmm. Um, so if no one knows about this, like me. Um, <laughs> well, like me when I went to the meeting. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, what? Snapchat does what? So Snapchat has an original series, I guess, area, a section of Snapchat that you can go to. Mm-hmm. And um, so, but I looked at, you know, the the trailer for it and everything, and everything looks like it's it's uh, vertical. It's, it's um, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is that is that different from working on a traditional medium? And technically, yes, because 
virtual, like vertical, you kind of have to change the way you think about framing and you have to think differently about, you know, storytelling because it's, you're, you're, you know, naturally as a human, your, your eyesight, obviously you have much more <laughs> range, but when you're trying to tell a story within this little box, there's a lot that you miss left to right. So you kind of, you kind of have to think of it almost like to, when I approached it, it was almost like portrait photography, like portraiture. How do you fill that frame with information that will, you know, help the story rather than having it in this kind of horizontal view? Um, that's one aspect of it. You know, the way we shot it was very different where we shot it actually on horizontally with Alexa Minis, but we um, split the the view into three frames so everyone would have to kind of fit in the little boxes which was a very interesting way of shooting so you kind of had to really make sure you hit your mark and you didn't leave your mark because you if you went left or right you'd be out of frame in an instant kind of thing right. so a lot of fun interesting technical things that we had to consider the other thing was this show was very fast is very fast in terms of the rate of the frame change, you know, plus the um, the dialogue was very, very, very fast. So, you know, the actors had to come into it with a little bit of a different mind frame also because almost every take was like, can we get that a little faster? Can we get that a little faster? Can we get that a little faster? Also, don't move so far to your left because you're out of frame, you know? So it was like wow. a lot of things going in your brain, you know, as even as director and the DP, we're kind of like, staring at the frame lines also are they saying their lines fast enough also are they like leaving frame and you know all of that is technical kind of thing but at the end of the day it's still filmmaking and you still have to still tell a story and you still you know it's a narrative story so all the the stuff that I know um still comes into play you know how am I telling the story correctly is my shot list conveying what I need to say in this scene so all of that kind of stuff is the same you just kind of have this extra layer of like going fast enough is it have we got a split screen have we got you know that kind of right. that kind of stuff are they all facing the camera because every dialogue has to face the camera <laughs> you know? did you get fancy with like tracking shots or anything like that or did you keep it simple just to not lose your mind it's hard it's tracking shots kind of get flipped because you can track you know, up, down, <laughs> those are your tracking shots. Follow shots are really hard because you can't really. Um, right. It's really hard to operate to try and keep them in that because you don't flip the camera around and shoot vertically. You know, you shoot horizontally. So there wasn't a lot of movement that we could do. But and also because I was shooting 157 pages in 18 days. So Get the hell out of here. 20 Jesus. episodes cross-bordered and block shot. Wow. Jesus. Um, so there wasn't, unfortunately, a lot of time to be super creative in terms of, you know, all those fun kind of shots and camera moves and stuff. But we always would always kind of work into the schedule some kind of fun thing in each episode, you know, whether it be booming down from one scene to the next into an underworld kind of thing or, oh, okay, in this episode we can do this fun VFX. But we always knew, like my DP and I worked really closely. We were like, all right, but what's something special we can do in like 10 minutes or we can do, we've got half an hour extra here, let's do something really fun. So we did. We did do some fun, interesting camera moves. We just couldn't do a lot of it. You know, coverage yeah. was our number one priority. 
That's awesome. This is like the future, right? I feel like. Oh, gosh, I hope not. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't think so. I think at the end of the day, we would have really loved the luxury to kind of really play when you don't have time. It really kind of dampens your creativity a little bit. So I do hope that it's not the future because I, you know, I, I kind of worry that it might compromise the the filmmaking aspect of it, the narrative storytelling, you know, of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and Dead Girl Detective Agency is this on Snapchat now? I believe it is. Um, I haven't seen it in a while because it's it lives on the app primarily. I think they have it on YouTube. Uh, some episodes also. So Dead Girl Detective Agency, guys, check it out on Snapchat, I believe. And um, (laughs) what you can also check out on your website are these two shorts I really love. I watched them today and I said, oh, okay. Oh, that's a good reaction. (laughs) (laughs) Echoes and Pringles. Oh, yeah. Um, Can you tell me about the inspiration behind both of those? Echo came from a story that I think that my husband told me at work. He was late one night at work. And um, the the Alexa, whatever it is, started talking in the other room by itself. <laughs> and he was like, excuse me? Um, so kind of really that was the kickstarting of it. And I just thought how, how wonderful and how creepy it is when you're uh, alone in an office after hours, especially as a woman, you know, all kinds of your imagination just goes wild and all these creepy kind of technology now and you know when what happens how does that spin you out so that that was kind of the inspiration for echo and i had really really wanted to do i guess not so much a horror but like a thriller for a really long time so that it just all came together at the right time and i wanted to to experiment essentially <laughs> and i don't know if you can tell but that one we had a crew of 3 um for that <laughs> that short it's, it's shot well <laughs> it is at uh, dp myself and a sound guy um nice. and that was it um and it was just like a lot a lot of fun it was just an experimental fun fun thing to try out and then for pringles that came about a few years ago a good friend of mine had passed away very suddenly and we were all in a state of shock and a couple of months after that I met up with an actor friend of mine whose brother had also suddenly passed away mm. within kind of the same time frame and we were all, you know, we were kind of in this mourning period and I just kind of reached out to her to say, you know, I really feel the need to do a story about this or to kind of create a film around it because I, f- I felt like it would be a really like a healing process of kind of almost a therapy. Um, and I wanted to do it as a, an improv and it is an improv. So I just told her the outline of the story and we got an incredible actor friend of ours to join us. And I, it was just me and I shot with them and I gave him a little bit of an outline and we went and shot for half a day. We went up to, you know, the Angeles crest and I gave her, you know, we would kind of stop in different locations and say, okay, this time we're going to talk about this. And I just let them improvise their, their dialogue as long as we were kind of in the vein of the story. Right. And and then I don't know, I mean, I can give away that kind of ending, but the last scene, I just sat them down and I told her, I need you to use Matt, the other actor as your proxy. This is your brother. I need you to tell him everything that you can tell him before he died. 
And that's Ooh. how the scene was shot. And I just rolled the whole time. Wow. Um, so that's that was a little bit more of a heavy kind of project, but we all felt so incredible, like a weight had been lifted after we shot that. It was definitely a therapeutic. Art can be very therapeutic. So I think you can be a filmmaker and use it in so many different ways. Yeah. Um, and that was that was how we we did Pringles. Something behind when she was that what you're saying that moment where she's telling talking to the actor about, you know, she's saying something about it felt so organic and so authentic. It was her real feelings. Yeah. Yeah. There was no acting there. She was just fully present in that moment and I loved it. Loved it. Thank loved you. It. Yeah, it was powerful and I can't can't tell you how it was a bit difficult holding the camera. <laughs> All right, you were the DP that. on that. <laughs> I was the DP. DP. Yeah. I was the DP. I was the sound. I was everything. It was just me. And it's just holding your camera and letting her have that moment and just seeing it all come out, you know, and you just have to keep rolling. It was kind of, it was an interesting experience, but, you know, I feel honored that, that she did have that moment and she allowed me to shoot it. It's interesting. I think it's people maybe sometimes just see filmmaking as like just that go, go, go. And you got to get that, you know, that short down and send it to a festival and whatever it is. But sometimes, you know, there other things need to happen and you can use it as a, a therapy or you can use it as something that speaks a different language, I guess. Uh, so what advice would you give to a, a director who's starting off in the business? Um, be patient. Uh, I think that that advice about guard your mental health and um, for sure but i think most and foremost is be patient and stay in line i think this this industry can be hard this industry can be mercurial but if you are if you love it and that's you should as a filmmaker you should absolutely be in love with it because it's it can be a hard career if you don't um, and if you really, really, really believe that that's the thing that you want to do and you cannot do anything else, be patient. You know, your turn will come, but sometimes you can't see through the forest. You know, you can't see through it. You can't see your way through it, but you just have to take a deep breath and, you know, let it unfold sometimes. And be kind. Oh, my God. Okay, here's the thing. <laughs> be kind. I think I have been on such cruel sets, especially when, you know, the heads of departments or it comes from the top, from the producers and directors, and I'm not here for it. I think there needs to be a revolution that film on set especially should not be hard in that way. It should not be you should not be surrounded by divas. You should not make it difficult for other people to work on your projects. I think, especially now, I feel like there's a revolution where a lot of the yeah. newer filmmakers or even people who are finally getting their foot through the door are being kinder and being more, you know, compassionate with their crew. And it makes all the difference. And I, I, that is one thing for people coming through. Please keep that in mind, you know, create the kind of environment, the kind of workplace that you would love to work in. It starts with you. Let's face it, we're the most, we are so privileged and so blessed to work in an industry where we have fun. Yeah. Where, you know, 
we we get to play out our imagination and we're adults making believe almost on set every day and it should be fun yes there's a lot of money involved sometimes yes there's time pressures yes you should be getting your you know all your time in and your shots all of that absolutely do all that but you should also be enjoying yourself and make sure other people are enjoying themselves on your set i i do i do feel the change happening like I yeah. said, I do feel like there's a new generation and a renaissance happening right now in the industry in so many so many ways more than one. But that's mm-hmm. one of them for sure, where I feel like people are just overall a little more kind to each other, which is really cool. Yeah, and I hope it continues because it makes such a difference, doesn't it? Like you get so much more done, I believe. The best um, compliments I ever get from set is when people come up and say, I had so much fun. I didn't know that this was how filmmaking could be. I really enjoyed myself while I was on your set. And I think that's the best compliment because, yeah, we got all our coverage. Yeah, we got, you know, we got all our shots. We got made our days, but we also had fun. It's amazing. Right. Yeah. I want to be on one of your sets. I wanna... <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> that sounds like fun, Soma. <laughs> yes. More people uh, have fun. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. So uh, tell us, what what are you, are you watching anything cool right now on TV? Goodness, I'm watching lots of things on TV. Uh, you know what I just started watching that I never really got around to watching was Nosferatu. Um, oh, I just watched the first season. It's on um, AMC show. It's, it's a, I guess, it's kind of like a twist on the whole yeah, Dracula, Nosferatu, um, which is really, really interesting. And I watched the first season and I'm kind of, I'm now starting the second season. Um, like I said, I love genre and I love, you know, a lot of that like fantasy or thriller, horror kind of stuff. And it's very, very interesting and very well made. But there's so much on, isn't there? I feel oh, like so much. I can't keep up. Well, obviously, yeah. the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. <laughs> yeah, I just started that. <laughs> I just, it's so interesting. I've I've just gotten into that because I watched WandaVision. I mean, I love all the Marvel stuff. So I finished WandaVision, which I thought was amazing. Yes. Okay. It threw me off at first because I was like, okay. Right, the first episode, like, what's happening? Yeah, the first couple episodes, I was like, okay, when are they going to not do this anymore? I mean, I didn't hate it. I was like intrigued, but I was like, why did the whole episode like this? And then the second episode was the same way or a similar way, I think. Well, they, I and think then, they started shifting in the second one. Like yeah, the second one started shifting. And and like, yeah. I don't know about you, but I kept thinking, they let them do this? Yeah. They let them do this? You know? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I was really excited. I was like, oh, my God, what? The whole yeah. episode is black and white. What? Yeah. I was really excited that they were allowed to be so creative and so different and so out of the box. I was like, this is a amazing and they just stuck with it the yeah. whole episode have you seen it out uh i've seen like one or two episodes that's it um i just i got distracted um out <laughs> <Fair laughs> in like the black and white <laughs> no no I, I i it was like you know what i like i like that i like anything that kind of pushes the boundaries um mm-hmm. and pushes the boundaries on creativity um yeah. well they did a lot of that <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it picks up uh, the whole thing is good, but I think it really definitely picks up around third, fourth, se- third, fourth episode. I I loved it from the beginning, just because I think my mind was that place where I was just thinking, "Oh my god, I can't believe they let them do this. This is so incredibly creative and brave." 
Okay, so this is the time where I ask you a question, and uh, the question is, what is your craziest onset story? <laughs> craziest? Without ruining people's reputations or names. Oh, um, I think probably very, very early on, it wasn't my set. I was an assistant to a producer, and um, she had a reputation of being quite emotional, but I didn't, didn't really understand it until one day she screamed and yelled at the AD and the DP about, I think we were behind on time and she screamed and yelled and kind of threw a fit so much. So it was like pin drop in the room and then she burst into tears Oh! and then she stormed off. Oh. And it was just like the whole room kind of just froze and we were all like, ah, (laughs) okay. So, and the AD was like, oh, let's pack up. You know, we're like, <laughs> <laughs> <So> today's uh, <laughs> done. <laughs> we're good. We're good. Okay. That's a wrap on today. You know, I don't know. It was a really long time ago when I was starting out, but that was kind of like really bonkers, bananas crazy. Um, but when, on my set, I have not, knock on wood, had a lot of really kind of insane, crazy stuff happen. But there are definitely those moments where I think I was shooting a commercial where we had a clown in one of those life-size bubble things and he had to roll through the set and it was like 3 a.m. or something and you're just kind of like, this is my life, you know, where you're like, what is happening right now? But okay, I'll roll with it. There's a clown in a giant bubble and and he's wearing a tutu, you know, and he's just rolling through the set in a big kind of giant bubble and you're like, Okay, I guess this is you know this is life. It's fine. Yeah. It's Tuesday. <laughs> it's Tuesday on a film set. Totally cool. <laughs> right, right. Soma, tell me a little bit about what are your plans for 2021, 2022? Any big plans? Anything in the pipeline? Pipeline. Uh, I have a project that I was um, setting up that I was uh, signed on to do for Disney that I'm hoping will that got shut down because of COVID. It's a series for a, like a YA teen series that I'm hoping will come back now that we're kind of hopefully turning around, you know, the corner and that we're seeing a little bit of easing up. Um, I'm hoping that will come back because that's a really, really fun project that I'm so excited to do. Nice. Um, I think I'll be probably working pretty hard on the Breakthrough Initiative for a minute um, for, for this year especially, just getting them through that. And then, you know, I'm I'm attached to a couple of features that I'm hoping will get moving. Um, one's a thriller that I, if I, supposedly we were supposed to start kind of maybe shooting this year, but I think that's probably going to be pushed to next year. I, I also have a feature that I wrote with another Indonesian writer. It's actually a sci-fi, grounded sci-fi in that kind of Amblin-esque, you know, era, but it's set now. And it's about a, an in, a half Indonesian girl living in nowhere, Texas, who has a seven foot tall Indonesian superhero as her best friend. And it's called <laughs> Supernova. That sounds and, exciting. Yeah. That and does. I'm really excited about that because it's, you know, talking about identity, but like in a really fun kind of sci fi, grounded sci fi way. And just kind of trying to see whether that will get any interest because right now it's, you know, it's done a couple of competitions and we're just kind of getting it in front of people and hopefully I get to direct that 
But um, other than that, it's all kind of, you know, theoretical right now, isn't it? I think mm-hmm. especially in the way that COVID has kind of put a halt on everything. So it's yeah. hard to kind of have concrete, yes, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. So it's a lot of, right, right. I have all of these up in the air. <laughs> Let's hope one yeah. of them lands. So Yeah. Yeah, let's throw 10 things on the wall and see what sticks. Um, Pretty much. And then when they do stick, you're like, please stay sticking. (laughs) (laughs) Stay sticking. Don't fall. I'm holding it up. Give me the crazy glue quick. (laughs) I don't think pandemic was on my list of things that could shut something, a project down. No. No. Ah, Okay. So hopefully those will all start picking up again. And well, that's some exciting times for you. Um, yeah, I hope so. Very now I'm with KPE and I know I'm with Kaplan Perone and Kaplan Stola. So <laughs> with those two at my back, I think I, I'm. I have I think a lot more positivity about what's going to be happening in the next couple of years. So look out, guys! For Soma Helmi, she's going to be killing it. We're speaking into existence. <laughs> She's yes. gonna be killing it as soon as the pandemic is over. She's gonna be you're gonna see her oh, out there. Before, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> Not before. Oh, before. Okay, it's before the pandemic. Before the pandemic is over. Over. Someone help me is gonna be out there making some yes. noise. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, judging by your work and your experience, uh, there's no reason it shouldn't be the case. Thank um, you. So much. Do you ever need any help with anything in regards to the any of the initiatives or programs you're working with? Definitely let us know. Uh, we're more than happy to help out, um, especially on the inclusion or pro- anything that has to do with progressing folks uh, forward in the film industry. Please let us know. Um, Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, no, I, I I appreciate your efforts uh, in in you know these initiatives that you're you're participating in it's really nice to see well i mean i my my thought is always you know we need to pull each other through it it you can't wait till you're the exec and you can't wait till you're the showrunner to make it happen it doesn't matter where you are at in your career you Mm -hmm. can always help someone out so don't wait to help essentially yeah yeah and that's that's something that steven and i uh, that's why we started this podcast is to to try to help as many people as we can um any way that we can so Awesome. Last question. Uh, I do this for everybody. For fast forwarding, four mm-hmm. year, forty years from now. Whoa. Okay. You're an old lady. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Very. Uh-huh. <laughs> you're you're sitting down and you're looking back on your career. What is making you most proud? Mm, what is making me most proud? I think that I. I stuck to my guns and I create, I worked on projects that I loved and I made, you know, world building stories that people could lose themselves in. I think that would be like the, the thing that I would have most pride in that I, I didn't kind of get sidetracked into, you know, being told to do something else or this and that. And that's like, that's my, that's my wish is that I create, big, huge world-building fantasies or sci-fis that people can, you know, identify with the characters and that people can maybe learn something um, through those characters and that they can kind of almost run away from real life while they're watching. I think that would make me most proud. Awesome. That's your truth. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I love it. I love to see people's reaction when you say 40 years from now, (laughs) <laughs> no, no. For an old person, everyone's reaction is always always like 
gosh, oh my gosh. <laughs> I know, right? Oh, oh my like god. in my 80s. No. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh, I'm a, I'm an old lady. Oh my god. <laughs> reality yeah. starts setting in. And they're like, they hit the fast forward, but I better hurry up and get all these projects done. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, Forty years is a very long time. But thank you. Appreciate you for doing this, Selma. This has been fantastic. Um, thank you so much. Appreciate having this time with you all. It's it's really great being on this podcast. Fantastic. Oh, maybe I can plug real quickly. I do a clubhouse. I do a prep uh, every Tuesday yeah. at ten a.m. I do a room called Directors Prep for Success, and I talk about one of my favorite subjects, which is prep, especially directors prep. And we have different guests and sometimes it's just me talking about prep and I take questions from filmmakers, from, you know, different people who have questions about, about my process because I teach prep actually. Um, Yeah. I teach directors prep and I think it's one of the most important things that any director should know, obviously, but some people don't. Um, And it's, I think it, like we were talking about having good sets and having, you know, pleasant sets. I think a lot of that starts with how well you prep before you get onto set. Now, we say director's prep. Are you talking about just having your shot list and having your your plan in order? Or are you talking about something else like more mental and energy wise? It's mostly that the technical stuff, you know, I, I go through it's more than, you know, your script breakdown, all of that kind of thing. So how, right. how do you, how are you across your, your story and your, sh- your shoot as much as possible? Nice. Um, but there's lots of different methodologies and stuff, but yeah, some of it is also, how do you work with actors to make sure that you prep them for the shoot? And that does kind of go into a little bit about, you know, how you connect and that kind of thing. Yeah. Kind of some directors are really, they're more so, uh, just technical directors. All they do is mm-hmm. care. They don't really care about the actors. Just like, okay, next. The actors are more so tools for them to no. do what they got to do. They're just like, okay. <laughs> and some act directors don't even know what lens is which when it comes to how to well, shoot that, part, that can be, I think, forgiven more so because I think you have a DP. So lean on them. They're there for right. a reason. They're the experts. You just say you want something a little tighter or you say you want a little bit more depth or whatever it is, and they should be able to figure that out for you. You shouldn't have to say, I want a 35 on this. Um, But the other way around, I really don't approve of because, yeah, one of my favorite parts obviously is working with actors and you need to respect them and they tell your story and you should not be looking at them as tools and as set pieces, you know. Um, I... I'm such a champion of my actors. I think that they are so important. And like I said, you need to make sure that you are there to protect them and that you're there to make sure that they give their best performance and you give them all the tools they need to get there. So, yeah. yeah, And I think I've heard that, you know, I don't know. I want to, I don't want to say excuse, but I've heard that being said a lot before where you're like, well, either I'm just a, you know, an actor's director. Why do I need to know all this prep stuff? And it's like, no, you're the director. You need to be across everything. Right. It's not, that's not an excuse. Yes, you're, right. a, you know, you're an actor's director, but how are you going to get them there? How are you going to make sure that you have all the attention on your actors on shoot day if you haven't prepped, if you don't know your shot list, if you don't know what the next move is, if you don't know anything about the story, you're yeah. not going to be able to work with your actors or give them 100% because you haven't Absolutely. done your prep. You know, and then the other way around, it's like, 
yeah, I just want to do all the fun technical stuff. And it's like, well, your actors are telling your story. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly, you know? exactly, exactly. Then yeah, nothing anyway. too is I, I'm very big on like teamwork and 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 making sure everyone is working in concert and working as a unit to sort of get to this to a singular goal. And yeah. as a director, it's your job. It's so important that your job you're clear on your job, which is what is the directive for everyone on set? Mm -hmm. And once everyone is clear on that, and once they're comfortable that you know what that is, you're good to go. And so I, I'm glad you're doing this directing prep and, pre and, and focusing on it and having this clubhouse on it. Cause I feel like a lot of directors don't really, they're sort of just like me or they're, they're focused too much one way or not focused enough. But um, mm -hmm. it, it's all about making sure that everyone has confidence in you and the only way they can yeah. have confidence in you is if you're confident going on set and being well prepared. Absolutely. Yeah. Well prepared, but also prepared for, you know, uh, plan A, plan B, plan C. Because <laughs> they will happen. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, if you are prepared, you are prepared to pivot. So, yeah, yeah. absolutely. I'm the same way. And agree, agree. And that's why I think whenever I have my prep room, like, I, I always get some really fun conversations and um when i teach my class also i think some people are like wait you do all of this and it's like yeah how do you think that you're supposed to stay on track when you're crossboarding 20 episodes you know like yeah. you have yeah. to do all that you can't just swan in and be like i feel like i'm going to put the camera <laughs> there today you know like no yeah. you're gonna be six hours behind on your first day <laughs> you know? yeah. but yeah it's and i find it fun but there's fun creative ways to prep it doesn't have to be just like the one way. There are interesting ways. Like I use playlists. I use, you know, music on set. So there's like, there's oh, fun nice. creative ways to do it too. Directors prep for success. Directors prep for success. Yes, right. at 10 a.m. PT on Tuesdays. Nice. Awesome. Soma Helmy, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> this was fun. Yeah, we keep chatting. We're like, wait, there's more. <laughs> <laughs> we ended it like four times. <laughs> if you enjoyed this episode and are listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. For more info about our guests, check the show notes. For more info about myself and Al, check us out on Instagram at Once Upon a Film Industry or on our company website, JustBeFilms.com. That's JUSBFilms.com. This episode was edited by Kelsey Coleman, music by Epidemic Sound. Thanks for listening, guys. See you next week.